are glad that you joined us today. God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we want to hear about it. If you've been impacted by Fuel Church, share your story with us by emailing mystory at thefuelchurch.com. And to learn more about our worship experiences, visit our website at www.thefuelchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Well, it's an honor to be here with you. Um, Don't crunch too loud because I didn't eat nothing. So I won't hold that against you. Uh, Let's pray really quick. Father, thank you so much uh, just for allowing me to be amongst whom I consider the greatest on the planet, which is your church. And so, Holy Spirit, I invite you in this place. You will not be grieved. You will not be offended. I ask you to infuse in us a passion for your people. And so just do with us as you will. In Jesus name. Amen. You know, as I was sitting there listening to uh, Pastor Jake, I had this thought on hospitality. And, you know, the Marriott does a good job. Chick-fil-A do a good job. But, you know, God was the creator of hospitality. Did you know that? The Bible reveals to us that he literally created an entire earth. Trees, rivers. I mean, it describes gold. I mean, it described all the stuff and there was no one there. Nothing. God set an atmosphere for Adam to thrive. He's the greatest, he's the greatest host ever. He hosted an entire planet for one man. So the idea of wanting to serve and to do it in excellence is a God characteristic. And so you got to take how you're thinking to another level. Right. And so it's God's house. I don't know about you. There's a few people here been to my house. I am very meticulous in my home and my wife does a great job. If we if we're like that about our house, we should be even more about God's house. Right. You should be picking up paper. Come on, somebody. There shouldn't be any cups. I'm about to preach. I'm just telling you right now. So when somebody steps in your house, the atmosphere should be so inviting that they want to come back again. And so you're the front lines for that. Right. Dude who's been coming to church that ain't leading has no heart for the house. Thank God he's here. But those who have a heart for God's house leads in God's house. And then your mission statement, I mean, it's right off the back. So that people, if you can do open heart surgery on God, you know what you'll see? People. God's heart is people. And when your heart breaks for what breaks for God's heart, then you're on the right page. So you sitting here is revealing that you have a heart not only for God's house, but you have a heart for God's people. You you hear what I'm saying? And so as he's telling them stories, I'm like tearing up, thinking like the reason why you want to serve hard hard because there's a story behind every life. And even though he might be driving nice, they might be wearing nice, bank account might be fat. Many people are broken and I see it every day. I serve 20 something year old with millions of dollars sleeping in king size beds, but have no peace. Brother, you might as well go get a twin. If you ain't got no peace, you might as well sleep in a twin bed. Right. So every person you encounter, remember, there's a story and people do a good job wearing the front. Right. 
But we know once they get in God's house, once they get in God's presence, something begins to unravel. And you might just be that help, right? It's the Holy Spirit, right? And it's you. (laughs) Come on. We are the body. So the body comes alongside the broken, which is everybody who walks through these doors. Right. So don't get don't trip on what they look like. Right. Even a single mom who might not be rocking the right dress or whatever. You feel me? It's a soul and it's a life. And that's what you come alongside of. Amen. So whoever that was for, you just run with it, do whatever you want. I'm not here to impress you. That ain't my job. What you think about me? I really don't care. I'm from the projects. I came a long way. Uh, I'm just going to talk to you about leadership today. We're going to talk about Moses. Uh, Genesis 3, if you have your Bible, go there. Um, I'm just going to talk about leadership with you. And many of you know Moses' journey, right? He was scheduled to be executed when he was a toddler, but his mother decided to do something. Come on. Isn't it amazing we don't hear much about Moses' father? Right? Even though he was called to be a leader from the womb, we see that his mother had the characteristics of a leader. She decided to do something. That's what leaders do. You do something. Right? She was like, oh, no, not my baby. You could kill every other one, but not this one. Come on. Right? So she puts him in a basket, sends him down the Nile River. I don't know if you've done any research on the Nile River. I don't know what you know. Think exists in that thing. Come on, somebody. He had a 99% chance of drowning to get eaten by a crocodile or die from sun poisoning. Don't you know it's hot in Egypt? Come on. That brother made it. (laughs) He made it as a baby. Come on. Uh, But he grew up in luxury, right? He was kind of like the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, growing from the projects to a mansion, right? And so we know the the story. Um, Or he was like Abraham Lincoln who went from a log cabin to the White House, so it don't matter how you start in life. It only matters how you finish. I'm a walking testimony of that. Uh, so we know he had access to the best education. He was like every other young man. He could have power and pleasure and prestige. We know that the Egyptians at that time uh, was the inventors of so much. They catapulted so much in human history. And Moses sat right under that. You know, we see the back end of Moses' story, but we forget that Moses was really smart. He really was. He grew up in the highest education system in the world at that time. Are y'all with me? And so he had access to everything. He could do whatever I wanted. Uh, We know he lived the fun life. He had fame. He had fortune. He had glory. Uh, But Hebrews 11.24 reveals something to us. It says, by faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasure of sin. And when did that moment happen? I want to make this interactive so you don't have to talk to me. I like feedback. When did the moment happen when Moses came to his senses and said, you know what? I don't want this life. There's something else. When do you think that moment was? Take a guess. Ain't nobody wrong. We ain't third grade. You good? He got scared. So, so here it is, Moses doing his thing. He sees one of his brethren get stricken or hit by an Egyptian soldier. Remember that? 
something broken Moses. That was the moment. We know scripture tells us that Moses' mom was still breastfeeding him. His sister was still come to the palace. So he knew of his family. He just didn't live there. So he knew about the culture. He knew about his upbringing. He knew about his past. He knew about the people, but that wasn't his life. But one event rocked his life. He saw a person that could not defend himself. He saw a person that was helpless. He saw a person with no future and something broke in him. You want to know what God called, what God has called you to do? When you see something, when something breaks in you, it's a problem God's calling you to solve. So his brethren could not deliver themselves. So Moses saw something, something broke in him and he said, I must. Every time people walk through these doors, the people you leave, that must be I must. I must help. I must serve. I must give. I must sow. I must do something. Because leadership is action, right? What does John Maxwell say? Leadership is influence, right? As a leader in this room, every month you should be reading a leadership book. At least, I mean, just even if you commit to 20 chapters, just do something, right? It's one thing to lean on your gift. It's one thing to match the gift with an anointing. See, many people are gifted to do a lot of things. I see it every day. I see dudes who can run, who can catch, who can throw, come on, who can block. But they ain't saved. There's no anointing on it. Right? Once you partner the anointing with your gift, it's next level. And so when you are leading, when you are influencing, you should have a break in your heart. My heart breaks for pro athletes. Right? My heart breaks for, honestly, my heart breaks for all people. But I just happen to be called in the lane of pro athletes. Athletes, period. But some should break. Something in this city should break your heart. Something. If your heart is not being broken for the broken, you need to question if you should be leading. So here's Moses said, you know what, man, I can't. And the Bible says Moses killed that dude. I ain't telling you to kill nobody, but I'm just saying, do something. Come on. Won't you hand a single mom a 20 and say, go get four happy meals on me. Do something. Come on. I, don't, I give away about 50 pairs of shoes a year. On average. I was a kid who had holes in my shoes. I was a kid that had to sell crack cocaine so I could buy some Jordans. So when I go in inner cities, when I go to churches and I preach, I leave bare feet. Why? My heart breaks for the kid who can't afford shoes. There should be something in you that breaks for the broken. And so we saw Moses' life change. So what happened? He killed the Egyptian. He fled to the back of the desert. After all that Moses had done, God still appeared to him. Come on. God has not given up on you. I don't care how old you are. There's nothing you can do for God to give up on you. Now, you can give up on yourself, but God will never give up on you. He won't do it. Remember, God is not done with you. His plan and purpose for your life can still come to pass, but you need to get up. So God calls Moses to deliver, deliver his people. But Moses gave God all these excuses as to why he couldn't fulfill the call. And, here, and this is where we pick up the story. 
So God shows up in the burning bush, which is amazing. Here's Moses 40 years on the back of the desert. But what do you do in 40 years, B? Like, Moses, what you been doing, bro? Come on, how many guys know his gift went dormant in 40 years? See, if you don't do nothing with the gift that God gave you, it will go dormant. Now, it's still there. We're going to see God going to reignite it. But you got to do something. Leaders do. Right? Y'all with me? It's quiet in this room. I'm preaching to myself. I don't make me none. So Genesis 3, we know what happened, right? God shows up, say, Moses, yo, I need you to deliver my people. Now, isn't it amazing that God didn't ask him to do it? Like, Moses, I need a favor. <laughs> Can you go get my people? <laughs> no, you going to deliver my people. I believe God has the same expectation for us, right? You think you in Kokomo, Indiana by accident? You think you at this church by accident? No, God has you here to do something and he's not asking you. Right? This isn't optional. You see what I'm saying? People isn't optional. We're called to love people. We're called to help people get in the presence to become more like Jesus. We're called to help people get delivered. And why can God, why can God do it himself? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about everything in Scripture when God calls or needs something, he uses people? Do you know the Bible says that God blew his nostril and split the Red Sea? Did you know that? God blew a booger and split the Red Sea. (laughs) Now, if God can blow his nostril and split the Red Sea, you think he can't just pick them people up and take them out of Egypt? Come on. He spoke and formed the worlds like a word. Like, he ain't throw up no dust. He ain't kick no water. That brother spoke. You know how powerful he is? He don't need Moses. Why does God engage us to help people? Because that's how he gets glory. When he sees somebody who normally can't do the natural, he taps on them, give them the supernatural, he gets glory. Come on. It's all about him getting glory. That's why he used the dumbest, weirdest people. Who takes a kid with no parents, no future, no hope, and calls him to preach? That's crazy. Come on. Who calls a dude who's been absent for 40 years, herding sheep, to deliver, many scholars believe, three and a half to four million people? You don't think you qualify? You're the right person for the job. That's exactly why you qualify. Because your life will give God glory. And that's all that matters. Come on. All right, Genesis 3. Then the Lord God called to... Oh, I'm tripping. I said Genesis 3. I am buggers. Exodus 3. No, I'm tripping. And I had my market and I still was in Genesis 3. Exodus 3. Exodus 3. Let's start at verse. Let me check my timer. We got 11 minutes for this first session. Um, Let's start at verse 9. Let's start at verse 9. Let's just do that. Cool. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me and I have also seen the oppression 
with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Verse 10, come now therefore and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Did he ask him to do it? No, he commanded him to do it. When Jesus spoke in the New Testament, he never gave us options as disciples. They called the commands of Christ, not the options of Christ. Come on. Once you decide to lead, there's no option. It's quiet in this room. So here it is. Number one, number one, Moses had a confidence problem. Everyone say confidence. confidence. Let's look at his excuse. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Who am I? I mean, do you realize my past, God? Do you know what I did? Do you even, re- do you even know why I'm on the back of this desert? Do you know what I've been doing the last 40 years? I've been outside my gift. I've been outside my element. I haven't been back to Egypt. Do you know what's in Egypt? Come on. Do you know the record is still written of what I did? Do you know I'm a vagabond? Do you know I'm, I'm on the FBI's most wanted list? In 40 years from not using this gift, from not being in the right environment, his confidence was killed. Him focusing, listen, the moment you focus on your past, you tell your confidence it will never grow again. You got to speak to, you know what else? We spend too much time listening to ourselves instead of speaking to ourselves. The Bible says the power of life and death is in the tongue, it's not in the brain. You got to learn how to override the inner conversations you have in your mind. You got to open your mouth. What's what's God's remedy? I love this. Notice this. God didn't give Moses time to warm up. All right, go stretch, Mo. Go stretch. You You about to A. Ain't no warm up. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. You don't need no warm up. No, God, you don't you don't know. You don't know what I just did the other day. Well, I, I, I thought my word said I forget those things which are behind. That's what I'm just saying. We don't get to determine how far behind is. I don't care if it was five minutes ago. Behind is behind. So Moses didn't have time to warm up. There was no pregame rituals. He didn't have time to stretch. Why? Because God equips the call. Because the moment you depend on yourself, you don't need God. You know, why the, you, know why, you know why the dream for this church has to be so big? Do you know why the dream has to be to reach every lost person in the city? You know why it has to be so big? Because if it's not, you can do it on your own. The reason why God gives you big dreams because you need to rely on him for it to come to pass. Ain't none of us that good. We ain't that talented. None of us. So Moses is thinking like, now catch this. Moses don't even know it's been 40 years, B. Maybe there was like a couple hundred thousand when he left. You feel me? You know, he don't know they've been having babies after babies 40 years. Come on. And so he equips you. God builds you on the way. Nope, God, I got to get it. You don't know. I got to get this together first. No, man. When God sees you, he sees you to your full potential. When God looks at you, he already sees you to the capacity in which he designed you. Come on. You have to build the Lego set one block at a time. 
When God looks at a Lego set, he already sees it built. He sees you built the way he designed you to be. We, we look down on ourselves. So what was God's remedy for Moses' confidence problem? What was, what was his remedy? It's in the next verse. So he said, verse 12, I will certainly be with you. What's God's remedy for your confidence problem? His presence. See, when you're in God's presence, this some supernatural takes place. All weariness, all uh, 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 um, lack of confidence or thereof, whatever it is, any weakness in God's presence dissolves. But if you're not in his presence, what do you think going to take place? Well, listen to what he told to Moses. So he said, I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Isn't this amazing? Look at the picture that God gave Moses. This is so powerful. He said, I will be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt. What was he speaking into Moses? He was giving a vision. When you bring them out. God is saying that when this city is one, when we got to freaking tear down another wall, 20 seats ain't enough. We need 40. Come on. God always speak vision. Why? Because your faith goes after something. Catch this. Listen to me. Faith is designed to go. Now faith is. It doesn't say yesterday was faith. Tomorrow. No. Now faith is ignited because it reaches. That's why vision is so important. You have to see those things that be not. Now, we're called to speak them. So if I utter a word out of my mouth, it brings a picture. So now only am I speaking those things that be not. I can see those things that be not. Right? And so faith always grabs. Faith is alive. So when the numbers go up on the board and the the the, the, the numbers go for how many we want and we freaking, we got to tear down a sanctuary wall because we running out of seats and we got to get another service in a freaking other campus. What the heck is going on? Come on, come on. Why? Because there's enough people for there to be a 20,000 seat auditorium in 20 campuses. The problem is not people. The problem is the church. There's enough unsaved people for none of us to be in competition. It's stupid. It's dumb. You know how many unsaved people it is in Kokomo? Like heathens, straight going to hell. There's enough. The question is, are you going to go get them? Are you bold enough to believe in the vision? Is your faith built enough to go grab the future? God is speaking something to Moses. Why? He's been 40 years of himself. No, Moses, your life ain't about you. As a matter of fact, your life has nothing to do with you. Every gift that God has given you, he put in you for somebody else. But you got to let it out. He's like, yo, Moses, you want me to replay your life real quick? Because, brother, you could have died when you was a shorty. My hand was upon you in that Nile River, B. There was about 15 alligators smelling your little stinky butt. But I delivered you for such a time as this. God has you here for such a time as this. Everything that's birthing in this church, everything to grow. Come on, man. 
You're not here by accident. God desires to use you. How comforting is that? And all your garbage and stinkiness, your little dirty diapers. Come on, Moses. God knows what he's doing. So God's, God's answer to Moses, this might be the same answer for you. It's his presence. Get in God's presence. Your personal time with God would do the people you serve way more better than anything. Every seed you sow, every seed you sow, there's a harvest. So when you're sowing seeds in God's presence, the harvest will come out of your life into those you lead. See, I don't have to convince dudes with money that God is real. I just got to live my life in authenticity. That's it. We'll take a break in a couple minutes. I had a cornerback yesterday after Bible study. And uh, he, he, this is only his second Bible study all year. And so he comes to me after study. Yes, we're walking out the facility. He goes, yo, chap, man, I need to tell you something. He goes, you have no idea just watching you live your life how that has influenced me. He's like, all my walk, I've been up and down. And I know I want God, but man, I just get all this stuff. But you have, I mean, to see you, you don't push me. You don't sweat me. But to see your life, he's like, man, I, I just, can you just hold me a more accountable? He said, I, now, when I was in college, people was all on me, pushing me, dogging me, and it drew me away. He said, I don't see you do that with us. But I'm asking you, maybe a text here, encouragement there. What, what's, I said, dude, there's two things you could do. Because I don't sweat nobody. Like, I don't, I don't sweat. You gr- you're a grown man. You know who I am. You know my role here. I ain't playing corner. I ain't the quarterback. I'm the freak. You know what I do. I ain't finna chase you. You feel me? So I said two things. Kavari Russell, Notre Dame, cornerback. I said two things you need to do. Number one, you need to show up to every Bible study. You need to show up to chapel. That's it. Just show up. 25 minutes in chapel. 35 minutes in Bible study. That's less than an hour. You want your life to change? You got to show up. If you show up, God will do the rest. This is all you encouraging the people you lead. Just show up. Just show up. And always, always speak to character. This is vital. I'm telling you. Don't allow the people you lead to lack in character. When there's things not showing up on time, not communicating, you got to call that out right away in love. The proof that I love you. Listen, confrontation is the proof of love. I love you so much that I'm going to tell you the truth. Bro, you can't be late, B. Like, dog, no. No, dog, you, you can't be late. You tripping. I love you. But B, if we say be here at 1120, if we say be here at 907, you should be walking through the door at 9 o'clock. Leadership is influence. Y'all want to break or keep going? What y'all want to do? All right, let's keep going. Now catch this. Your gift, the anointing of your life will open a door for you, but it will be your character that keeps you there. So you got to work on you. If you work on you, people will see that in you. Let your life convict people, not your words. Right? Just walk in integrity. Do the hard thing. I was a thief. No, for real, I was a, bro, I stole everything. <laughs> I, any, every, any, bro, 
my teacher's desk. I, I mean, let her just go to the hallway for a meeting. It was done. <laughs> Step in the hallway, talk to another. Go ahead, yeah. I sat in the back of the room when I was in elementary school next to kids' book bags so I could steal their lunches because I didn't have no food. I was the king bike thief in my neighborhood. I take, we'll have four bikes. It'll be eight of us on the handlebars. We go to the white neighborhood to come back with four more bikes. <laughs> Drive out to the suburbs, like 45 minute ride. But you happy, you came back with a new bike, Jack. I get it in my backyard, scrape off that serial number, change them spokes, spray paint that thing. I sell them suckers. I used to go to the bowling alley grocery stores, breaking people's cars. I was a thief. I get saved. I get saved. I get hired at a car wash. I detail cars for four years. I get saved. I'm at the car wash. Do you know what people drop under their seats? How much cash money was under seats, me? <laughs> I get saved. God's working on my character. I, I find money under the seat. We'll be busy. I mean, line. I mean, busy. Man, I shut the whole line down, grab that cash and walk to the person. Go, ma'am, sir, I found this under your seat. I just want to make sure you had it. Why? You exposed the devil. I would not be standing in front of you today if I did not do this. Because whatever you do in secret, God will always reward you openly. Every time. And nine times out of ten, that was my tip. So God, not, not only was my character being built, but God literally rewarded me on the spot. I don't steal nothing. I call my wife right now. We're at the doctor's office. I had a pen in my pocket. We turned around and went all the way back. <laughs> I don't steal nothing. Nothing. You can have this one. Pens, <laughs> tablets, nothing. No, I won't do it. Why? Character. Number two. Number two. Moses had a content problem. Moses had a content problem. Look at verse 13. Then Moses said to God, indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and to say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they said to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? I don't know what to say. I just ran into some bush talking to me. Be? Like a bush talking. <laughs> like talking for real. What, what am I going to say? Have you ever gotten to a point where you feel like you don't know what to say to the people you lead? They come to you with an issue. They come to you with a problem. Right? I had a, I, my, like my second year, I had a guy redoing his contract. And he literally asked me what he should do. I was like, hold on, bro. I need a day. <laughs> I need a day. 11 and a half million? What I, I better give him the right advice. Right? I said I need a day. I went home, I fasted that day, I prayed, and I came back and I shared with him what I felt God led me to say. Well, there's times where you just, I don't know what to say. Well, I'm gonna tell you the side. I mean, there's so much to a contract. So much guaranteed if you get hurt, if you even make the team. I mean, people just see NFL players and think they got money. It's so much behind the scenes, you have no idea. None. What do you say in those times? Here's God saying, like, Moses, don't worry about it. This is interesting. 
And this is very important to understand. Moses knew and understood very well the Egyptian culture. He lived in it for 40 years. The Egyptians had over 2,000 gods. They were in various shapes and sizes, and every god represented something in some form or fashion. Every god. Remember the sun god? Come on. Y'all know what I'm talking about? So in essence, Moses is really asking, what kind of God are you? See, I know what the sun God does. I know what the moon God does. Come on, somebody. So when I go back to Pharaoh, what kind of God am I going to say? Because he know all 2,000 of the other gods. Which one are you? What God are you? And so this is, this is so important. Back at that time, your name represented your character. Why was it the sun God? Because they knew it produced light. It helped in reproduction with the land. Are y'all with me? So every God represented something. It represented their name and their character. I love this. So what was God's promise to Moses' content problem? His name. Come on. What did he say? Next verse, 14. And God said to Moses, I am who I am. Come on, somebody. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. I am. Do you know how powerful the two words I am is? So powerful. Jesus quotes it and they try to kill him. Remember that? Who do I say? I am. Oh, they picked up stones. Come on. Do you know the God you serve? Not do you know of him. See, many of y'all know of Andy Dalton. Like, I could FaceTime him right now. I know him. And there are many people who know of God, but don't know him. Your duty as a leader is to take the hands of those you're leading and put it in the hands of Jesus. If you do that, you'll stay far from offense. The number one thing that does leaders in is offense. Right? If this is not yours in the first place, how can you get offended? You are a steward over your call. You are a steward over God's house. It don't belong to you. So be, I can't be offended. This ain't my team. This God's team. I'm just stewarding it and leading it. So for a guy not to say or speak to me when I look him in the face and say, hi, B, that's your loss, not mine, B. Like I do, I got a couple players who just look at me, I speak to them face to face and they won't say nothing. I'm a freaking chaplain. I can't, I ain't offended. It's your loss, not mine. Do you know when I, man, I got to hurry up. So I get on fire for God. I mean, God changed my life. I was a freaking heathen and I loved it. God changed my freaking life. I had a full ride scholarship to play basketball and I, I played one year. I get saved and I didn't play again because I was at church every time the doors opened. Every time that we had four services Sunday morning, I went to everyone. We had Sunday night. We had Wednesday night, small group on Thursday. I went to everything. So God's changing my life. So then we, we did this big conference every year. And by the grace of God, I got asked to serve on it. Come on, somebody. Nappy head kid from the projects. I don't know about all this. I just love Jesus. I just, I just love God. Or somebody saw some leadership potential in me. Said, Morris, you know, come serve. 
So it's been guys there longer than me, you know, doing the little things. They got money. I'm from the project, suburb, church, white. You feel me? They got a little money. <laughs> so whenever we host the dinners after service, you know, I, I like I just did whatever. I stood by, you know, I would bring drinks, you know, um, I poured like, you know, sodas and waters and they brought them to the table, that type of stuff. You feel me? But every time the speakers leave, I would go sit in their chair because I wanted the anointing. I'm talking about Jerry Seville, Kenneth Copeland, Joyce Myers, Keith Butler. I could go down the list. Mike Murdoch, John Evanzini. I mean, I could go down the list. I've served every single one of them. And every time they got up, the first thing I would do is go sit in their chair because I wanted the anointing. And you know what this dude said to me? His name was Chris Sheps. I'll never forget it. Who you think you are? He, told, he said that to my face. Who you think? I said, ain't nobody. I just want Jesus. I don't want to be. I never want to be. I, I don't want to be nobody. I don't. I don't care about what I do. I care about who I serve. You can freaking burn that title. I don't give a rip. I don't need this. I'm here because God called me to be here. I ain't know what no freaking preacher was. I just wanted Jesus. Now, that could have that could have detoured me. I could have got out that chair and never came back. Never. But I wouldn't be standing in front of you today. You can't get you can't don't let offense offense get in you. And you got to teach people the same. You, everything you lead, you don't own. It's not yours. You're a steward. So you stored it in excellence and you stored you stored it passionately. It don't belong to you. So God is saying, listen, Moses, my name alone. Jehovah stands alone and you can't put God in a box. Come on, somebody. God was saying, I'll reveal myself and my character to them when I am pleased to do so and in due time. But you just tell them I am sent me. That would be a trinket in itself, wouldn't it? I am. Oh, man, who is that? Who is this I am? That's intriguing. Come on. I love this. Got to hurry up. 11 minutes. Jehovah Ra, the Lord, my shepherd, Psalm 23. Jehovah Rapha, y'all know these. The Lord that heals, Exodus 15, 26. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide, Genesis twenty two fourteen. 14. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace, Judges 6, 24. Those just a few. Do you know what's encompassed and I am? See, to us, it's two letters. To the Hebrew people, it's the unpronounceable name of God. Do you know him? Not know of him. Do you know him? Your revelation of who God is will determine how you posture yourself to him. Do you know him? God's name alone is credit enough. There's power in that name. Power. He revealed himself as Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, my banner of victory in Exodus 17. He had never revealed himself as the banner of victory before. And do you know what happened in Exodus 17? Go read it yourself. God revealed facets of his character in due time. And he'll do the same. God is so big, so glorious. He is still revealing himself today in new ways. Come on. What was this? 5,000 years ago? 4,500 years ago? Come on. 
It's quiet. It's quiet. It's quiet. Don't settle for a drip when God wants you to have a waterfall. God is bigger. Number three, almost done. Got two more. Moses had a credibility problem. Credibility problem. Chapter four, go to chapter four. Then Moses answered and said, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. Credibility. Never, 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 never worry about God revealing himself. He'll do it. Your job is to believe that God would do his job. We actually got the easiest job. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by. So get out of it. Stop trying to. Listen, stop worrying about things you have no control over. Worry will kill you. Jesus said, don't. Now, was that an option? Did he say worry when everything looked crazy? Just say, here, have a little worry tomorrow and you're good. No, he said, don't worry. It was a command. Don't worry, Moses. Look, look what God's, what, what's God's remedy to Moses' credibility problem. Verse 2. So the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? And he said, a rod. What's in your hand? What gift has God given you? Now, what was the rod to Moses? When Moses showed up in, in chapter three, what was Moses doing? Herding sheep. So what was the, what was the rod to Moses? It was everything. It was every, that rod was everything. Your gift, who you are to God is everything. Just give it to him. Give it to him. Don't be so cocky because you're good at something. You better humble yourself. Only piece of cockiness you'll ever see in me, and I've done better, is basketball. <laughs> Joe witnessed it. I've dunked on Joe a couple times. Eight foot rims, of course. But that, for a whole, I mean, half of my life was my identity. That's all I knew. That was it. It was my meal ticket out the hood. It, it was what brought me popularity. I mean, my identity was wrapped up in what I did. Until I had an encounter with Jesus. And I realized the whole point of having a gift, the whole point of having a gift is to give it away. It's not a gift if you can't give it away. Imagine you waking up Christmas morning, you come downstairs, you saw the gifts the night before, but now they all gone. Like, mom, hold fast, mom. What what happened to the gifts? Giving them away. The whole point of a gift is to give them away. What's in your hand? What, how, how has God uniquely equipped you to serve the body? Come on. How has God uniquely put you to, together, your personality, your giftings? God wants to use it. He'll get glory. Moses, don't freaking worry about it. Just what's in your hand. Moses' staff represented in some aspect, like I just said, his gift. And he was a shepherd and was probably good at it. And God wanted to take what he was good at and multiply it. Come on. God wants to multiply you as a leader. 
He deposited something in you for someone else. And when you don't live out your gifts, your passion, your purpose, you rob the world of what God wants to get to it. So don't be a thief. Give it away. Let your gifts emerge. Let your person, you're wired that way. You don't have to change for nobody. This is just me. Right? This is who I am. I don't change for nobody. I don't. This is me. This is who I am. When I'm with my players, I'm the same way. When I'm at the crib, I'm the same way. When I'm with my kids, this is who I am. Life too short, I ain't got time. I don't. I don't got time. I can't do it. I heard my university president and my college had this saying. It stuck with me all these years. He says, be yourself, only better. Be yourself, only better. We know what Moses did with that rod. Come on. Got to keep going for the sake of time. I got four minutes. I will finish on time. Number four, Moses had a communication problem. Moses had a communication problem. Verse 10, chapter four. Then Moses said to the Lord, oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. The moment you focus more on your weaknesses than God's grace and ability, you'll lose it. Everything God is presenting to Moses, we get 10 times because of the cross. And Moses is considered one of the greatest leaders in the Bible. Come on. So think of everything that God is providing for Moses is 10 times more for us because of the cross. There's no excuse for us. Come on. I can't talk. I'm a, I think I'm a, I might end with this one. Let me just give you the last one for your note's sake. He had a commitment problem. Number five, he had a commitment problem. That's verse 13 and 14. But let me end with this story. On communication. So I grew up really poor, and I'm gonna share my testimony in service tomorrow. But um, when I was in second grade, I don't know, I don't know why grandma, black grandmas do this, but my grandma always kept a carpet in front of the refrigerator, like a carpet, like a rug. We call it a carpet growing up, but it's a rug. And so I don't know if it's because it's cold and she wanted her feet warm. Stepping right. I don't know why, but ever since all my life, my grandmother always kept carpet in front of the refrigerator. Well, me and my cousin was running and I was trying to cut the corner and I slipped on the carpet and I hit my tooth and I chipped my tooth. And I get saved at 19. God called me to preach at 22. And the number one thing that bothered me is how I'm going to stand in front of people with a chipped tooth. Now, mind you, I did not go to the dentist for the first time until I was 26 years old. So we didn't have insurance. My grandmother's on welfare all her life. So now I get called to preach. Right? And I used to walk around like this, like covering it. Like it was a huge, I mean, I got it fixed. Come on, somebody. (laughs) But I can identify with Moses. Right? God called you to do something. You feel like you have a weakness to which you can't do it. Now, do you think God was naive to think you had a weakness? He knows everything about you. You can hide from your friends. You can hide from your spouse, but you can't hide nothing from God. God's not naive to your weaknesses. But what did he tell Paul? 
My strength is made in your. There's strength in your weaknesses. But whatever you focus on more, you will gravitate towards. What do they tell race car drivers when they get to that corner? Don't stare at the wall. Why? You're going to go to it. Stop staring at your weaknesses. Now, don't be naive that they're there. But don't focus more on that than God's grace, which is God's supernatural ability to give you ability to do the supernatural. That's what you focus on. Now, you make sure you take steps that that weakness won't disqualify you from your future. Come on, somebody. But don't let it consume you. Don't let it consume you. God has called you to lead. He's going to grace you to lead. He's going to equip you to lead. You got the word. You got a spirit. You got a great church. You got great leadership. Everything you need to be successful as a leader, you have it. You got to be willing to walk in it. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for these great group of leaders. I just pray that your hand is upon them in a supernatural way. Man, when people see them, they see your spirit. They see life. They see hope. They see victory. May we not focus on who we are, but we focus on who we're becoming. And that's being formed in the image of Jesus Christ. May none of us jump off the part as well, but we stay on that you may mold us, form us, shape us into the leaders you've destined us to become. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for listening today. And maybe you're out there and maybe you feel far from God today. Maybe life has thrown you a curveball. You've taken some wrong turns. You've messed up. I'm here to tell you about God's love for your life. You know, it's real and it's for you. And and no matter what you've done, no matter where you've gone, God is there. His love is unconditional. And, And the Bible says that if you just confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you're saved. And I'm going to lead you through a prayer. And I just believe that if you say this prayer and mean it with your heart, the Bible says you're saved. And I want to encourage you to tell somebody about this decision. But just wherever you're at, just say, God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Change me in Jesus' name. It's simple as that. And I encourage you to find a good local church. If, if you can get to Fuel Church, get here. God is moving. God is doing some great things lives and families of the people that come here, but find a good church where you can grow in God. Until next time, God bless you. Have a great week.